Did I wake you up a little bit? <laughs> oh, well, trust me, that song's going to stick in your brain for the next week. And if, and if you lose it, all you have to do is go to YouTube and, you know, search What Would Jesus Do? And you can play that song to your heart's content. It's kind of fun. I, um, on Spotify, one of the channels that I have is New Christian Music Friday. So every Friday, they, whatever's new is going on. So um, a couple of weeks ago, as I was listening away, this thing popped up as a new song. And I'm like, oh, that fits for this Sunday. <clears throat> because what are we talking about? What would Jesus do? It's a great slogan, and if you've been around the block a little bit, um, it, you've heard that slogan. You maybe even owned one of those little, you know, bracelets that had the WWJD on it. Uh, when I was a youth pastor a whole bunch of years ago, we, you know, I capitalized on that slogan often to encourage my students that I was working with. Uh, you know, what would Jesus do, no matter what the the conversation? And I love the line in there, do I walk like and talk like him? And that's kind of what we've been talking about. I mean, when we talk about just this phrase that we've been going through in this short little series, that we want to be with Jesus so we can be like Jesus, so we can do what he does, that's, that's the end goal, is to, to be like Jesus and do what he does. So the, the question is, what, what would Jesus do? Um, and I think for all of us, if, I, if we were to sit down in little groups and we would talk through what would Jesus do, we would all have different things that we would probably come up with, and they're probably all right. And at the same time, what I've noticed is that sometimes people in different people groups, depending on what they're culture is or what their upbringing is or maybe their theological bent, it influences the answer to this, what would Jesus do? So, for, for example, like if you came from a real fundamentalist background, what would Jesus do? Well, Jesus would know the Word and obey the Word. I mean, that's black and white. That's what Jesus would do right there, because that's what Jesus did. If, if you were maybe from more of a progressive mainline background, 
It, it maybe would be more like, well, Jesus cares for the poor. It's the orphans and the widows. It's social justice. Uh, there's some truth to that. If you're from the charismatic Pentecostal background, it would be, oh, Jesus healed and did miracles. So let's, let's get out there and do those healings and those miracles. Yes. And if you came from the black church generally, they, they have liberation theology. It's all about liberation. It's all about looking for those who are in some kind of bondage, some kind of slavery bondage, and helping them to be set free. Yes. Evangelicals, it's all about evangelism. We've got to preach the gospel, get people to pray the prayer. That's, that's what it's about. What would Jesus do? I think he'd probably do a little bit of all of those things. And not just focused on one. So over the course of the last three weeks, four weeks, we talked about being with Jesus, and that really is a focus on, for, for this series, focus on spiritual practices. What are the spiritual practices we have in our life so that we are with Jesus? Reading your Bible, um, silence, solitude, prayer, fasting, those kind of things. Being like Jesus, we talked about last week. That's, we, we talked about the fruit of the Spirit. If you're with Jesus and you become like Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit is it's just going to naturally come out of you. And if you remember, I had my two plants up here, the, the not-so-healthy one, which is doing better in my office now because I've watered it, okay? Um, I did trim off a few leaves because they were beyond, uh, beyond repair. Um, so today we're going to talk about do what he does. So what would Jesus do? Sometimes, again, as I mentioned earlier, we, we think of the big things. When we talk about doing what Jesus did, we, we, try to, we focus on those ginormous things and we either get lost and we go, ah, there's no way I can do that. Or we, we, we just go, I, I'm not even going to try. We give up right away, rather than maybe starting out with the simple things and just getting moving on doing what Jesus does. Dallas Willard, who um, was talking to some people, this was a number of years ago, and he was asked, why is Jesus such a big deal, and why is it so important to obey him or do what he does, would be my words. And if Jesus is such a big deal, how would you advise a person to proceed to experience him? Dallas Willard wrote, Don't start by trying to believe the big truths about Jesus and doing the big things. Start by putting into practice the things that he said. Trust in him to be right about it. And if you do that, you will gradually find out what a big deal he is. In other words, where is your faith right now? Be, do what Jesus did according to where your faith is right now. Just, I'm going I'm to do what I have faith for right now. And, and trust me, as you do that, your faith will increase. And as your faith increases, you will begin to believe that Jesus can do the big things through you. So, what did Jesus do? 
I'm going to list off a few things this morning that are things that Jesus did. And part of the question as we look at these things is that, are these what, is this what we're supposed to do? So the first thing that I have for us is what would Jesus do? Jesus knew his purpose. Jesus knew exactly why he was here on earth. In Luke 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 18, um, Jesus is quoting or reading from Isaiah, and he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus read this from Isaiah when he was just beginning his ministry, and then he handed the scroll back and he basically said, Today, this scripture is being fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus knew what his purpose was. He knew that he was here to proclaim good news to the poor. He knew that he was to set the prisoners free, and he just communicated that to everybody that was in his hearing at that moment. So my, my question for you is, do you know your purpose? Or do I need to know my purpose? I'll answer for you. Yes. Yes. What is the purpose of a disciple of Jesus. So you have that bigger purpose, but also what is the purpose for me specifically? Why am I here? What is my part in the body of Christ? We're going to talk about that more in detail this fall. I've quoted often Ephesians 2, 10, that we are God's masterpiece. And that we were created in Christ Jesus to walk in good works. So we collectively and we individually have good works that God has created in us for for us to do. So what what is your purpose? That's a conversation that you need to have with God. Yes, read, read the Gospels, read the Bible and find out generally what is the purpose of a disciple of Jesus then have conversations with God and say, God, what is, what is my purpose here? What else did Jesus do? Jesus proclaimed the good news. We saw that in his quoting of Isaiah 61. He, that, that's what he did. But in Luke 4, verse 43, Jesus said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because that is why I was sent. Again, Jesus knew his purpose. His purpose proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ. This Jesus said right after he had healed Peter's mother-in-law. And then that night a whole bunch of people came and all these people brought all their sick people and Jesus was healing them and he was healing way up until the night healing them. And then the, the next morning he gets up early and he goes off and he's praying with his father, and then the disciples can't find him, and then they go and looking for him, they find him. And the people are wanting to bring more people from the town that he's in, Capernaum. 
And Jesus then says this, I must proclaim good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. There was more people in that town that needed to hear about the good news of Jesus. There was more people that could have been healed by Jesus in that town. But Jesus knew his purpose. His purpose was to go from town to town to proclaim the good news. So, question, is it our purpose to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God? Yes. I would say so. Maybe it's not our purpose to go from town to town like Jesus, but is it our purpose to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of the kingdom of God? Yes. So how are we doing on that? What else did Jesus do? I kind of mentioned this before. He prayed, meaning he met with the Father. Luke 5, verse 16 said, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. Again, as I mentioned, when Jesus was in Capernaum and healed Peter's mother-in-law, that early the next morning he got up and went to a place to be alone with the Father. And here we see once again that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. He continued to meet with his Father. In Luke 6, verse 12, it says, One of those days Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Here we see that Jesus spent all night in prayer. Now, the next day, he chooses the 12 disciples, so he had a big thing happening, and so when he had an important thing, meaning choosing the 12, he spent the whole night with his father. And the crazy thing of this, if you think about it, one of those 12, Judas, the one who would betray him, It was important for Judas to be part of the twelve. Now, we we don't know the conversation that Jesus had with the Father in the middle of the night about the twelve. We don't. But don't you think if Jesus had spent some time hanging with Judas, he might have noticed something about Jesus? And and maybe, again, I I don't know, but... as I read in between stories, that's kind of the way my brain functions one time. I wonder if Jesus is going, no, I don't think we should include Judas in the twelve. And the father going, yes. Because we need Judas to fulfill his responsibility. So do we, do I need to meet with the father on a regular basis? Yes. If I have a purpose, and God has called me, what, and I'm, when I say called me, it's not about being a vocational minister. It, it's about whatever God has called you to do. I, I think that I would want to know how the Father wants me to handle my business. Day to day. Moment by moment. And what if when we had a really huge decision, rather than just doing our pros and cons, we spent the night with the Father. 
do I need to meet with the Father on a regular basis? Yes. There's a study that was done a whole bunch of years ago where they injected some big redwood trees with a chemical that is similar to adrenaline. And the reason why they injected them, these trees is they, would, they wanted to see if they could stop the redwood trees from going into hibernation. And so normally a big redwood tree lives for well over 100 years. In fact, many that have lived multiple hundreds of years. These trees that they injected began to die after one year. Because the trees are built with a need for winter, for rest, for hibernation. That's part of their whole process of growing and living a long time. Sometimes we get so busy and are trying to solve all our problems and we don't stop and rest. And the stress of life is building up in us and it shortens our life. There's lots of scientific proof around this. That stress can shorten a life. We need to be alone with the Father to have conversations with Him so we know what to do. So when we go out into the world to fulfill our purpose, we're not stressed. We go, hey, this is what God has called me to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. It's in His hands. What else did Jesus do? Jesus hung out with sinners. He hung out with the tax collectors and the prostitutes. It says in Luke chapter 5, Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus' response to them was, The healthy don't need a doctor. The sick do. And then he says, I have come to not, not to call the righteous, but to call the sinners to repentance. That's why Jesus hung out with sinners. Again, Jesus knows his purpose. He knows what he's about. He came not to just hang out with sinners, just to hang out with them. He came out to hang, he came to hang out with sinners so that he could call them to repentance. We see this in so many stories of Jesus' interaction with people, whether it's the woman caught in adultery or the woman at the well or Zacchaeus. The stories go on and on of Jesus hanging out with those who are sinners and calling them to repentance. Now think about this. Many of us have grown up in the church, but there's many of you that didn't. Either way, Jesus hung out with you because you were a sinner, and he called you to repentance. And somewhere along the line, you surrendered your life to Jesus. So the question is, 
am I supposed to hang out with sinners? Again, the answer is yes. Because we are called to the ministry of reconciliation. We, we have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. We are ministers of reconciliation. We are to hang out with the sinners and bring them to Jesus so that they can be reconciled to God through Jesus also. That's, that's part of what we as a church are supposed to be doing. What else did Jesus do? Jesus served others. Matthew 20, verse 28, it says, this, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, Jesus said, but to serve, I, I to give his life as a ransom for many. I have come to give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve, which is totally opposite of what the world wants us to do. Jesus is saying this right after the mother of the Zebedee boys comes to Jesus. You've heard this story before, and she goes, Jesus, can my son sit at your right and your left? Because in her mindset, and even in the mindset of the disciples, it's all about hierarchy and who's in charge, and they wanted to be a part of those who are in charge so that they could rule over. And Jesus is saying, no. I didn't come to rule over. I came to serve. So you come to serve. So the question, do I need to serve others? Yes. So this is, this is just an example of a few things that I have found as I just read through the Gospels and just picked out some things of things that Jesus did that we could honestly say, yeah, that's, that's what we're supposed to do. There, there's a whole list of things. I mean, there's suffering. Jesus suffered. Are we to suffer? Yes. Jesus made disciples. Are we to make disciples? Yes. And yes, Jesus did healing and miracles. Are we to do that? Yes. So this question of what would Jesus do is an important question for us to consider. But we need to consider it in this scope of being with Jesus so that we become like Jesus so that we do what he does. You see, it, it all goes together, people. The more that I am with Jesus... The more that I will become like Jesus, and the more that I become like Jesus, the more I will do what He does. This isn't a checklist of, okay, I've done that, okay, I've done that, okay, I've done that. It's a lifelong journey. And part of this question is, what does He want me to do? To do goes into this whole question. So it, it, it's not only discovering what we are to do as followers of Jesus corporately, as I mentioned earlier, it, it's also, God, what do, what do you have for me to do? 
As I said in Ephesians 2, I'm his workmanship. He's created things for me to do. He, he put me together. I have certain gifts, certain passions, certain talents. He's called me to do something. You, each one of you, has certain gifts and passions and talents. And he's called you to do things for him. To, to live your life in a way that brings glory and honor to him. You are an important part of the body of Jesus Christ. Peter says in 1 Peter 4.10, he says this, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. What Peter is saying here is, um, find out what your gift is and use it. Use it to serve others. Use it to build up and edify the body. Use it when you hang out with sinners. Use it in your job. Use it in your marriage. Use it in your raising of your family. Use it in your neighborhood. Use it wherever you are. Use your gifts to serve others. Can you imagine what it would be like if we as a body all knew what our gifts were and all began to serve each other and serve our community with our gifts and our talents. That's part of the reason why the church transformed the world back in the first century. is because they understood, they began to see what their gifts are and they used them. Not everybody was Paul. Not everybody was Peter. It wasn't expected for everybody to do what Paul did. They discovered their gifts and they went forward and moved out. As we close today, I just want to share that this little short series really up, it was a lead up to some things that we've got going on this fall that I'm really excited about. The first thing is, <clears throat> our series that starts next week is called Unwrap Your Spiritual Gifts. And our goal is to really do what I just talked about, is to help each one of us understand the gifts of the Spirit, all of the gifts of the Spirit, understand what gifts that I have, that you have, and then give you an opportunity to grow and learn and be equipped in those things. Because that's what the church is supposed to do. We're supposed to equip you so that you can use your gifts and your talents to serve others to do the ministry. It isn't all up to me or the elders or staff or anything to do all the work. We are to do the work. And so we are going to equip you to do that. And this is, this unwrap your spiritual gifts is part of that. The other thing that you've heard story or heard words about is our small group curriculum coming up. Praise Jesus. I'm just Somebody shouting glory to the Lord right over there. I hear it, right? Um, <clears throat> Rooted is our small group discipleship experience that's starting this fall. This is a hands-on experience where you begin to grow and understand in your knowledge of God, the church, and your purpose. I'm really excited about this. We had a, a group go through it this last winter. And I want to encourage each one of you to 
Check on this, sign up for it, and be a part of this Rooted Discipleship experience. I'm really excited because I feel like um, the church in general has really missed, at least generally, missed this aspect of equipping people to do the ministry. We've missed it the last few years here. And that's, and that's our goal. It's, it's, it's my goal. It's the staff's goal. It's the elder's goal. Is we want to equip all of you. We want to encourage you. We want to build you up. So that when you are going through life, whatever the life of you, not just serving in here. We want you to serve here, yes. But even as you're serving in your workplace, or you're serving in your family, wherever you're serving, that you know. You know how God has made you. I I know how God has wired me. And there's some ways that God has not wired me at all. And I know them. I I do my best around those things when I need to step into those things. But that's that's not the gift that God has given me. God has given me stuff over here that I'm really good at. And that's the same for each one of you. And we want you to get into the place where you are gifted so that you can excel, so that as Paul says in Colossians, whatever you do in word or deed, you do it for his glory. And when you and I are functioning in our gifting, in our talents, we are offering praise up to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we... um, (laughs) so grateful that you by the power of your Holy Spirit has gifted each one of us so our prayer we, we have, a, we have a, a big audacious goal for this fall to equip our body to serve according to their gifting and we need you Father to guide and direct us each step of the way we, we feel like we're moving forward in your plan we We've been praying. We feel like we've been listening and hearing and we've got a, we've got a direction and we're moving forward. We, we still need you. So my, my prayer is that your Holy Spirit would fall on this place and that you would give each one of us the wisdom and discernment we need and that you would begin to reveal to each one of us what our gifts are, what our talents are, and how we are to walk in good works together. In Jesus' name, amen.